Oh, my word. Uh, I, there's, there's, I'm just going to quickly say that it's not relevant at all, but there's one sound that if I go my whole life without hearing again, I just, I'd be very pleased, and it's this. Oh, I'm just so done with it. Anyway, but don't we love Jesus? Don't we love singing? I'd imagine you're here because either you love to sing, or maybe you're part of a worship team, and you lead worship, and um, I'm going to answer the age-old question why do we sing? I personally, I love singing, singing in the shower, singing in front of people. I lead worship back at our church in Brighton. And uh, my mum always used to say that if she wanted to know what I was thinking, how I was feeling, she'd just listen to what I was singing in the next room. Singing's part of who I am and I love to do it. And I'm sure that's loads of our stories, if not every single one of our stories here today. If you've been around church for any length of time, um, or even over the last few days at New Day, you'll notice we flipping love singing. We love it. We do it every day. We do it in the prayer meetings. We do it in the main meetings. We do it in the seminars. We do it on Sundays when we uh, come and worship together. Have you ever thought about that? Has that ever struck you as slightly odd? Maybe not. Maybe you haven't been a Christian for very long, and this is one of your big impressions of Christians, isn't it? You walk into church. These guys just love singing. So why is this? Why do we spend so much of our time when we gather as Christians singing? And just to say, this isn't a small issue. Church, what we do when we gather as church, when we gather at New Day and gather every Sunday, is a hugely important thing. The Bible describes the church as a beautiful bride being made more and more perfect until one day it marries Jesus at the end of time. A beautiful bride. It's described in Ephesians as a place where God dwells. It says that we are being built together to be a dwelling place for the Spirit. And it even describes the church in that same bit in Ephesians as God's family, or in my Bible it says the household of God. And as we've heard a lot about in the main meeting building up to our offering um, that goes to various church plants, the church is God's plan A for the world. So what we do when we gather as Christians is really, really important. It's not a small thing. We don't just, um, wow, I don't know, maybe we'll sing today. Why not? It's a super, wow, here we go. It's a super important thing to decide what we do while we sing. It's actually the majority sometimes of our time, isn't it, when we gather in a lot of our churches. It'd be like 60% of our time. So I wonder what your thoughts are. Maybe when we sing, we're just kind of wasting time until we get to the real business. That's the preaching and communion. Yeah, that's when we really meet Jesus. Singing's just a nice thing. Um, or maybe, even a little bit worse, some of your friends might have said, maybe it's a subtle trick, right? We're just tricking our hearts to make us think we really love God and we're really meeting with him. But really, it's just the music and the singing that's making us feel good. So I have right, a different idea of why we sing. And the Bible has a different idea of why we sing. And so I have six main points. Are you ready to hear them? Just a side note, a book I read this year that's been really, really helpful in helping me, uh, particularly as a worship leader. So if you're in worship teams here, is a book called Worship Matters, uh, Leading Others to Encounter the Greatness of God by Bob Kauflin, Kauflin, which may or may not come up on the screen. So worship matters. Worship matters. Um, it's kind of a pun, which I quite enjoy. Um, so if you want to go deeper into this stuff than we do in the next uh, 20 minutes, half an hour, and particularly if you lead worship, I encourage you to get hold of that book. Right, here we go. My hope and my prayer is that we come out of this seminar with a better understanding of why we sing, but also excited and inspired to sing the praises of our amazing God at the top of our lungs. Are you ready? All right. Are you ready? Come on. Let's do it.
Why do we sing? Number one, why do we sing? God does. And we are in his image. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but what? Will rejoice over you with singing. God sings. In Matthew 26, we read that Jesus sings a hymn with his disciples. And in Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, which we'll go into a little bit more later, we hear about songs from the Spirit. Do you see what I did there? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit singing. When we sing, we reflect something of the beauty and wonder of what God does. And as Christians, we love to reflect him. We love to be like him. And if, if the Trinity, the triune God, God three in one sings, how can we keep from singing? And it also kind of makes sense that we sing, if you think about it. If we're created by God in his image, it makes sense that throughout human culture, throughout all the churches in the world, apart from a couple of uh, ones that might not, slightly weird ones, but generally we all sing. Why? Because we're made in the image of a singing God. It's part of who we are. When we're being who we are as human beings, we're singing. When we're being who we are as God's children, we're singing. So what we did this morning, what we'll do at the end of this seminar, what we do tonight on Sundays is not starting a new thing. God's like, oh, they're singing. That's nice. We're joining in with our God who is already singing over us. So point number one, why do we sing? Because God does. And we are in his image. Okay, point number two, why do we sing? Because God's people in the Bible sing, and we are told to. God's people sing, and we are commanded to. So in Acts, which is the story of the early church, the first few Christians, we read about their praises of God, that they praised God. And if we go even further back to the Old Testament, we have examples of people who sing all the time. So, such as in the list of the genealogy of Saul in 1 Chronicles, which I'm sure you all read every day, uh, we hear about some singers. The heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites were in the chambers of the temple, free from any other service, for they were on duty day and night. So, we go right back to the Old Testament, where God's people are, are praising and worshipping. And what do we find? We find people that sing all day and all night. It's that they're free of any other service. Your job, Mr. Levite, right? Your job is to sing all day and all night. When God's people are God's people, they sing. And even at the end of the Bible in Revelation, God's creatures, some living creatures, the angels, and us eventually sing, worthy is the Lamb. From the beginning to the end, God's people sing. And if that's not quite enough for you, there are plenty of examples, some of which I'm going to read out right now, of where the Bible tells us, not just suggests maybe you should sing, not just gives us an example of where people sing, but says you should sing. As Christians, this is what you should do. So Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, I alluded to earlier, uh, might come up on the screen, says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, 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 I'm not sure how you say that. Um... Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Psalm 100, so good. I'm going to read it all out. Stay with me. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. This one's not on the slides. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. 
It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, a sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And there's loads of more examples, particularly in the Psalms, other places as well, Colossians and other places. We are told to sing. Sing. It's not a suggestion. It's not a question. It's not a maybe. As God's people, we are told to sing. Throughout the Bible and throughout history, the church sings. So this is not a nice take it or leave it suggestion, as I said before, but an essential part of what it means to be a Christian. So why do we sing? Because God does. Why do we sing? Because God's people do, and we are told to. Uh, Number three, why do we sing? Because when we sing, we learn theology and scripture through song. We learn theology and scripture through song. So Simon's talked a little bit about this already this week, um, but so I won't spend loads of time on it. But the, the nub of it is that when you leave church, you don't often leave church with like the preach stuck in your head going round and round and round, do you? Right? You leave, pre- leave the church, leave church with the songs stuck in your head. So like solid ground, right? Has anyone been able to get that out of their head since they heard it? The other right? Set my feet on solid ground. But what an amazing thing to have stuck in your head, right? Better than like Lewis Capaldi or whatever, like, oh, I'm a bit soppy, a bit sad. Your love has turned me around from death to life and set me on solid ground. It's an amazing thing to have stuck in your head and internalized in your body. A very important way, yes, through preaching, but also through singing, that we learn and internalize the gospel. And the truth of who God is, is through singing them. Have you ever been reading the Bible and gone, hey, hang on a minute, I know that. I've, I've never read this before, but I know that. Because you've heard it in a song. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're not even realizing it. You don't even realize you're doing it, but you're, you're learning scripture. And um, the rich, life-giving word is getting stuck within you. This isn't a new idea either, right? It's not a size idea plucked from something, right? In, in a book called Deuteronomy, again, I'm sure you read it, Every single day in the Old Testament, chapter 31, Moses teaches Israel a song about the law because he knows Israel, man, they're going to forget it. Uh, they're going to forget the law. And um, so he teaches them a song because he knows it's easy, easier for them to learn it because it gets stuck in their head. Of course, Israel don't always get it right anyway, so potentially that's not the best point. But my point is, it's biblical, right? As examples of this, this is a gift of what singing is. So why do we sing? Because we learn theology through it. Number four, you tracking with me? You staying with me? This is good, right? Number four, we lead our emotions when we sing to match the truth we sing. So singing leads our emotions to match the truth we're singing. Psalm 42.5 says this. This is uh, David speaking. I think, yeah, David speaking. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. See, in this psalm, the psalmist is singing to God, but he's also singing to his own soul. He's saying, why are you downcast? Why are you feeling low? Do you not know who your God is? Do you not know what he's done for you? And one of the beautiful gifts of music and singing is that it leads our souls to match the truth that we know. Okay, so just saying a truth, Jesus loves me, is powerful in its own way. We add it to a melody, and our soul starts to soar with it. It starts to match the beauty of the truth. We know it's amazing, but Jesus died for me. 
We know that's amazing. But when you sing, Jesus, you died for me. Jesus, you died for me. It gets stuck in your soul, doesn't it? And it just lifts and you soar with it as you know you should. It's not a trick. It's just a wonderful gift of God. And biblical, as we see with the psalmist doing it, we lead our souls to match the truth that we know. This happened to me this morning. Um, as, I, as I said, I really hate camping. I've been feeling a bit ill, a bit gross. I walk into the main meeting late because I got up a bit late. And um, Anna is singing um, Born to Love. I'm here to love you, God. I'm here to love you, God. I was born to love you. And like, I literally, I didn't even get to my seat. I just walk in the tent and I start singing this song. And my soul that was downcast and a bit nervous about today and a bit sick, it was lifted. It's like, yes, I was. I was born for this. I was born to sing to God. I was born to worship him. Isn't it amazing what songs can do, what music can do to lift your soul to worship God? So why do we sing? Because it leads us. It leads our emotions and our souls to worship and to match the truth that we know, but the music leads us to feel, to feel it. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to want to feel the joy of it, and that's what singing does for us. Okay, point number five. Why do we sing? We sing as one body, the people of God. So in two key verses in the New Testament, Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18-19, these are two key verses telling us to sing. In both of them, it mentions singing to one another. I'm just going to read them to you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Did you see that? teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Ephesians 5, 18 to 19, I read it earlier. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. See, singing on a Sunday is not just an individualistic thing. It's not just you and God, although that is definitely part of it, right? I definitely think that is true. But it's a corporate thing. It's a together thing. In 1 Corinthians 12, the church is described as a body. You probably know it, right? You know, the feet can't be hands and the, you know, the liver can't be a spleen or whatever. It doesn't say that. Um, but, yeah, we're described as a body. We're described as oneness. It's a very special way. When you get saved, before you're a Christian, you're outside. You're saved into not just an individualistic relationship with, with God, but into a family and into the church. And one of the ways that we express that the best is when we sing together. When we sing together, we all sing in the same thing. Have you ever thought about that? You're singing with hundreds at New Day, thousands of people singing the praises of our God. And there's something about your identity as not just an individual, but part of a corporate whole, part of the church that is expressed beautifully when you sing. And in fact, there's a pastoral element to it as well. You're singing truth to one another. I believe that you are God when all around gives way. But I'm not just, you know, I'm not just doing it in my mind. I'm not just thinking it. I'm singing it so that other people can hear it too. I'm declaring it over you and you and you. I'm declaring it over all of us. I believe, we believe that God stands. We believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We're singing as one. We don't just let the guy up front lead, lead us in worship, although we love the people that do, and I do it, and I love doing it. But we lead each other in worship, and we sing truth over one another. Okay, point number six, um, which is my, my last point, and then we'll go on to a, a little something else afterwards. Point number six, 
Um, it is a right and natural way of loving and worshipping God. Okay, so I'll put it there. It's a natural and right response to God. Psalm 147 says this, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. When you get to know God, when you learn about his greatness and holiness and beauty, when you spend time with him and experience him in day-to-day life and in reading your Bible, when you think about and meditate on the amazing gospel and what Jesus has done in your life, on his life, his death, his resurrection, and what it means for you, what he saved you from and to, and the hope and the joy and the life you've now find in him, you find it's just natural and fitting and right that you sing. You just can't Help it. You love to sing to him. When you get to know him, when you get to see him, songs are drawn from you. Even if you're not that musical, songs are drawn from you. It's just a right response. I love that phrase. It's fitting. It's just right. It's just the right thing to do. When we, are, when we see him, it just, it just makes sense. That's why the psalmist says, you notice, how good it is to sing praises to our God. Oh, it's such a privilege. It's so awesome to do it. To sing to the lover of our souls, our treasure and our portion, our most high king and judge, but also father and friend. The most powerful being ever who came down to earth to save us into a relationship with him. So we will sing to that God in just a moment. We will express that right and fitting praise to him. Um, but before we do, I, I want to I cover one more thing. See, singing along with um, all the ways we worship, particularly if you're uh, a worship leader or you're in a worship team, but also just when you come to church um, and sing in the congregation, can feel a bit like a performance, can't it? It can feel a bit like a performance. The problem with understanding worship and singing as a performance in church is that, if we're honest, the performance is never good enough, is it? It can feel fake or forced. And when we really love God, we want to worship him the best we can, but we'll always ultimately fall short. Maybe you're not really feeling it that day, or you've really messed up during the week, and you're not sure whether you really want to sing to him. I've, I've done that. I've been in church services or even led worship before and just felt a little bit fake, felt a little bit like I'm not really uh, being true here in singing. My performance isn't good enough. Maybe, maybe I've been struggling to deal with the sin and messing up in my own life and coming to Sunday and going, how do I sing? How can I come before God singing, even on stage, leading other people when I've messed up myself? When we think like this, and we all do, right? We all have those moments. You come to church on Sunday, you just don't really feel it. You're trying to sing because it's what you do. Wonderful verses like ones I read out earlier. So how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship with gladness. Those verses start to feel quite heavy. They start to feel kind of like law, don't they? They start to just weigh on us. Even worship leaders, right, we can, we can fall into this a little bit. Come on, sing. Can't hear you. Sing a bit louder. And it's like, it's all law. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Come on, sing. And we're trying to teach ourselves and lead ourselves. And these feel less like amazing, encouraging verses and more just heavy. So even the six points, six amazing points, I might add, I just made in my seminar can feel heavy, right? Just told you, it's what you're told to do. It's what God's people do. Come on. You're meant to be singing to other people. Come on, do it. It can feel heavy. It can feel difficult. So it feels like really what we're preaching is law. 
not grace. Well, the amazing truth is, if you're a Christian here today, and again, Si touched on this in the first seminar, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. Being in Christ means, when you're a Christian, that his perfect record, everything he did, right, is now yours. His relationship with the Father, it's yours. And importantly for this seminar, his perfect worship record, his perfect worship record with the Father is now yours. So you don't come with your own imperfect performance, with your own feeling weak and not good enough to do it. You come into Jesus' relationship and worship with the Father. So it says this in 1 Peter 2.5, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, um, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That last line, particularly important, to offer spiritual sacrifices, to offer worship acceptable to God through what? Through our own work, through our amazing harmonies, through the fact we picked exactly the right songs. No, our sacrifices are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The book I mentioned earlier, um, written by a guy called uh, Bob Coughlin, says, he says this on this point. It is not the excellence of our offering. It's not your amazing octave jump, right? It's not the, the, the song you pick that you know makes your voice sound amazing. It's, um, it's not singing really loudly so the people around you think that you're really into it even though you're not. It's not the excellence of our offering that makes our worship acceptable, but the excellence of Christ. The amazingness of him, how perfect he was, how perfect he was in worship to the Father. That's what makes our worship acceptable. So you bring your imperfect worship and Christ perfects it. So I think we're going we're gonna to come to him right now. We're going to sing. We're going to come on the basis of what Christ did. See, the Father loves to have his children sing to him. He loves to have us sing to him. He does. He loves to hear your voice. He's already singing over you as we read at the beginning, and he wants us to join him in singing to him. So we can come confidently now. We can come confidently before him. I'm just going to invite uh, Sai up, and I'll jump up on the guitar. Why don't we stand together? Why don't you just quiet yourself? We've heard a lot about why singing is a good thing to do. Why don't we do this together? Why don't you just close your eyes right now? Just focus in on Jesus again. Focus in on him. The wonder of Christ, what he's done for you. You Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you follow me, your joy will be complete. We'll wonder what that looked like, completeness of joy. That's what's on offer for you here this morning right now. Why don't you just close your eyes if you haven't already. Put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. It's not particularly a holy thing, but it's just a helpful physical reminder we're going to receive something from Jesus right now. I just feel for some of you, the performance thing I touched on at the end, even maybe at New Day, you just feel everyone else is singing. And I know it's the right thing to do, so I guess I just shall, but I don't feel good enough. I don't feel my voice is good enough. I don't feel my performance is good enough. Jesus wants to come right now. He wants to come to you and say it's okay. In me, your worship is perfected before the Father. Your off notes, your off days, your sin, your mess up, it's dealt with in Jesus. It's dealt with in Him. There are worship leaders in here that have been sitting under performance 
and law. I have to do this. I have to do this. It's the right thing to do. God wants to show you his grace right now. He wants to show you his grace. Pray, Holy Spirit, just come amongst us. Reveal Christ to us. As you love to do, come just administer the grace of God. Just as burdens are lifted. You're not performers. You're sons and daughters. <laughs>